and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Scott Nye. I am David Bax. Tyler Thank you for is... listening. Oh, yes. Right. Thank you. I do, I do it to you and I do it to Tyler. Tyler gets more mad at me when I, when I interrupt him. Um, yeah, Tyler is uh, still in the hospital. Uh, you can still help by checking out uh, and donating to the GoFundMe, which you'll find pinned to the top of the homepage at BattleshipPretension.com. I think it's also my pinned tweet on Twitter at Debut Pretension. Uh, but um, uh, that, so, yeah, do, do that, please. I um completely forgot to uh ask you what we should talk about at the top of the show I was just thinking about that yeah um uh, i just opened twitter and uh i, I opened elon musk's twitter that's a bad and, idea uh, got a um not i mean i didn't open his account i mean i opened his app twitter ah, okay and uh in my notifications there's a suggestion that i subscribe to the babylon b why what have you done? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, apparently someone I follow subscribes to the Babylon B. Um, I actually, I, I know who that is. And, I have an idea uh, who it is. Um, because this person has uh, retweeted it on occasion. Um, probably best not to go into specifics there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. What else is, uh, what else is going on on, on, on on twitter what, what should we what should we talk about the the full barbie trailer dropped today that's what everyone's talking about yeah i i didn't watch it because of my regular habit of not watching trailers and expecting that i'll see them anyway um i mean movie right. pass launched for real i didn't uh, even realize that what i had was like a beta yeah version yeah that's um, going around um yeah. so you know we're not here to pay chill for movie pass but um it's a, uh, it's, I found it to be a pretty good deal. Yeah. I, um, have probably not been using mine enough to, for the, uh, money I'm paying, even though but that's my fault. Uh, I did try to use it the other day at, this will only mean anything to, uh, Angelinos, but it, at brain dead studios, brain dead studios is listed on movie pass. But when I got there, the movie wasn't listed and I couldn't use it. Oh, you couldn't even do the, cause they have the option where it's just like, missing movie and you select yeah. any it's like disproportionately uh expensive credits wise though so i don't usually do that um no but it wouldn't even let me it, it had missing movie but it was like at a different time and no. for, i don't know it just it wouldn't let me use missing movie that's very strange or maybe i didn't you know what maybe i didn't have enough credits that might have been it because i have fewer ran out you. how many credits do i have well this was like a week ago i have 76 credits how much would a movie of brain dead be uh at the maximum i've seen any movie on the app at all is 60 so you would have been okay would have been okay yeah but again this is a week ago and Mio didn't have the 60 then i don't know anyway paid full price to see uh uh chilo pentacorvo's capo which is an amazing movie by the way um oh. kapo uh it was a dcp though you wouldn't be interested uh <laughs> i'm trying to get better about that um yeah i've never seen that one um I, I, I have been interested to ask because we haven't talked about this off mic, but have you uh, been driving by any of the striking actions throughout town? I, I have not seen a single one yet. I, if I, if I were to pass one, I would throw them a honk. Um, yeah. and I haven't thought to like go out of my way. Sure. Yeah. Uh, do they, but they, do they do, do they strike on weekends too? No, not that I've seen because okay. I was around, I was in Burbank over the weekend, like during the day and they weren't at either Disney or Warner brothers, but yeah, I've been driving around more on weekdays and yeah, seen them at uh, WB, seen them at Paramount out in full force. Give them a little, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I definitely give, I, I pretty much always give anyone who's on strike a honk. Um, yeah, but I'm going, I'm going to pick up some, uh, my pull list, uh, a few weeks worth of my pull list, my comic book store this week, coming weekend. And that's right by Disney, but, ah, yeah. uh, they won't be there, I guess. On hey, Saturday. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think we got the out of the top of the show chatter. Out of the way. Uh, why don't I tell you real quick? about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, I use them each and every day of my life. I um, often use, I often uh, base my listening <laughs> uh, uh, patterns around what um, 
people who have died recently, just like I based <laughs> my movie watching patterns or at least the, the profile, uh, around that. And so obviously, I mean, obviously I've been listening to Tina Turner, rest in peace, Tina Turner, of course. uh, queen of rock and roll and all that. But, uh, no, actually today what I was listening to is, uh, I guess just over a month ago, um, month and a half ago, um, the great, um, musician and film composer among other things Raiichi Sakamoto passed away uh and it turned out he'd been sick for years and it, it it turns out he had been uh curating a Spotify playlist of music he wanted played at his funeral uh and All so right. I listened to that today so it was a lot of um Bach a lot of Handel um some classical music that I didn't know um some slightly more modern stuff by which I mean like some 20th century stuff uh as well um it was definitely somber but very beautiful uh uh i, I didn't uh no reason i would have attended raibushi sakamoto's funeral but um uh it uh it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds they're available for a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back. Let's Great. get into it, shall we? Uh, we are barely getting this in uh, under the wire, I think, as far as the month of May That's true. goes. But this episode will post in May. Um, and, and so just like uh, a, over a year ago, we did we did two episodes of April Showers. Sure did. Uh, now we're going to do May Flowers. Now, this was your suggestion. Very and, spur of the moment. Didn't know yeah. how viable it was. Early, like yesterday or earlier today, I was like, I should text Scott and get him to clarify what he means by that. And then I Uh-oh. thought, wait, no, it might be more fun if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you think this episode is about? Um, About movies or the presence of flowers in movies and okay. when that affects our experience thereof, I suppose. Okay. Um, I, I, I kind of went more with like specific scenes because I think with with April showers, we did like rain scenes and yeah, shower totally. scenes. So I was kind of focused more on specific scenes, but I like, um, I mean, the odds of there being flowers throughout an entire movie are very unlikely. So yeah, all, I think all of mine are scene based too, except for two, I'd say. Okay. Um, well, uh, I'm going to say the first movie that came to mind, uh, is how Ashby's being there. Um, which is a movie about, flowers in that. But it's a movie about a gardener. Right. Yes. Because, oh yeah, we should he say that you were saying... He his garden very quickly. Yeah, but you were saying that um, uh, Master Gardener just came out, so right. this could be like kind of tied in to that. So I think that's why I was... My first, I, my first was like, oh, Chauncey Gardner. He's a gardener. And even though, yeah, a lot of the movie doesn't have like specific flower-related scenes, there are um, a lot of metaphors or they're not supposed to be he's literally just talking about gardening but everyone thinks he's speaking in metaphor um so uh that one's more conceptual but it is also the first one that came to mind yeah i'm i'm disappointed myself that i didn't think of that but in fairness i only saw it being there once many many years ago um first movie that came to mind for me was is much less of a classic film and much more recent and much more forgotten, even though it's very recent, which is uh, the late Weinstein Company production, Tulip Fever, um, <laughs> which they produced in like 2010 or something and just kept sitting on their shelf for years and years and years and finally like snuck out. Uh, it's not a good movie, but it's, it is about an entire economy crashing because people are obsessed with flowers. So it is notable for the purposes of this episode. Um, it's also, it was also kind of weird seeing it at the time because I knew it had been filmed several years before it actually came out. And so it was operating a different production scale than movies of the time it came out. were in. So like 
now like you see a period piece and it's like they're going out of their way to make sure people like, don't go outside so they don't have to dress extras in costumes yeah. and stuff here there's like dozens of people all over the place and it felt like one of those big 90s kind of like historical productions um so it was fun in that regard yeah. uh less fun in almost every other regard <laughs> um well let's uh let's get to some we can actually talk about although you you mentioning tulip fever um reminds me that when i was talking about this with with natalie my my wife um she was like you should talk about black narcissist because that is the name of a flower right but it's not really a flower movie no yeah i don't even what? know if black narcissists grow in uh in india where that movie takes place up on a mountain no less um yeah, yeah. i mean it's a similar bag as nolia all they do have like interstitial things with like kind of a flower blooming yeah but um the name resonates more than the actual thing but uh one american beauty is one that is the name of a rose and also has a bunch of roses it in sure it, does in, uh, yeah. in mostly in dream sequence form as i recall uh, yeah that's uh that was a, another one that came to mind right away um and like i think you're more anti-american beauty these days than i am um, I still kind of, I mean, it's been a while since I've actually sat down and watched it. So maybe I'd feel differently at this point. I still kind of get a kick out of it, at least in my memory of it. Um, and that, well, I guess I'll say what Tyler always is like, Hey, it's, it's Conrad Hall shooting it. Like, yeah, it's, you can't go that, that wrong. And he's probably right. But I think I just, it is tied up my, my, my feelings about this movie are tied up my own journey because like when I first saw American beauty, I loved it. But that was like, I was still kind of like new to being a movie buff. Once I started to see more like American indies from the 80s and 90s, I kind of realized it, American Beauty started to feel like it's just the uh, commodified plastic version of that made for for a, a more middle brow audience in many ways. Uh, and so maybe I'm like, well, this is I have a bitterness against it. Scott for taste for middle brow movies is a little what's that uh, sorry you, you, I think you kind of taste for middle brow ah damn it freaking okay. internet these days am i back i'll tell you these days yeah you're fine so you have a taste for middle um, brow movies yeah I, I think my taste for middle brow movies is a little more fond than yours i i think you see it as like the commodified commercialized version of kind of indie film tropes of the nineties. I see it as just like the mainstream ingestation of those things. Um, that's more charitable. And so, um, like, I don't think it's as strong a movie as like happiness, for example, where there's like an obvious kind of like through line between those two, but mm -hmm. it's exploring the same territory in a way that more people would ever find digestible because happiness is a very undigestible movie. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, certainly like the flower imagery, because I didn't see the movie in theater because it came out when I was 13. And so no way in hell are my parents like, let me see American Beauty. But <laughs> that trailer made a strong impression. Um, and especially around like the flower imagery. And I remember like seeing that trailer paired a lot with Magnolia because they came out around the same time. And so like, there seemed to be this weird like flower motif going in an adult cinema of like things that I couldn't watch. It's like adults are really into artsy movies with flowers these days. <laughs> um i think but because uh, i uh, I'll, I'll push back a little bit against you saying i don't have a fondness for middle brow movies because i do i think my problem is that i get a sense of self-importance from american beauty whereas i like a a middle brow movie that um maybe isn't uh this movie is in my mind because actually uh tyler just recently uh watched it for the first time um philomena remember that movie with uh oh yeah Steve Coogan? i love that movie like that to me that's the idea of like a perfect middle brow movie that is like it has its like weighty moments and it's heart tugging but it's also like not trying to uh pretend that it's at the level of you know wild strawberries or something Mm, sure sure i could see that i think i also have a greater taste for pretentiousness than most people <laughs> <laughs> okay well that yeah uh that i'll grant you because i get uh i don't know i get but i i guess it's the pre pretentiousness i like it's a it's like a big swing and if it works it works and if it doesn't you, you know um uh 
I'm trying to think of an example of something that maybe uh, I feel is like pretentious, but but works. Um, I don't know. Uh, Manuel Duovera movies, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, I don't find those pretentious. I think he's like smart enough to get at what he's going for. I definitely think American yeah. is pretentious because I, I don't think it has the intellectual reach okay. grasped right. to get yeah. where it's reaching. You're um, right. You're right. I guess I just find that about... a little bit like affecting and charming. So what about Large Von Trier? Is he pretentious? Because um... I think if he if you would consider that pretentious, that's a pretentious that works for me because of the level of commitment maybe. Yeah, I think he's I think he's genuinely as smart as he's trying to be. Um okay. I don't think I, I don't think his talent is always able to get there. You know, I, I think he can sometimes his impulsiveness gets the better of him, but I don't think it's out of pretentiousness. Um well uh, I like that little diversion digression there. Um but I guess what I'm saying is you, there's a movie uh, you loved and I quite liked the house that Jack built. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like that movie has much very deep to say. It spends, how long is that movie? It's, it's over two hours, right? That movie? It's a hefty chunk of movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It spends a long time saying, I think some pretty, I would say kind of superficial stuff. Um, but very forcefully and with panache. So maybe that's the kind of pretentiousness that, that I like. Um, interesting. I, I find it to be the, probably the best examination of like white male privilege around. And I don't think that's like completely on the surface. I think that's a little buried underneath. I found it pretty um, surfacey. I thought. Okay. Just like okay, fair enough. The, the way that he keeps like everything just keeps working out for him. Like with the, the, the you recently talked with the, in the needle drive episode about the, when he yeah. murders uh, Siobhan, I can't remember her last name um, and leaves a huge, like very like a comically easy trail to follow. And then it suddenly starts raining and all the blood gets washed away. Like to me, that seemed kind of, uh, and doesn't he like get away with one because a cop is like not paying attention because he's like arresting, like frisking a black man or something? Yeah. Yeah, I feel he like literally, I, I, uh, I thought it was pretty easy or pretty uh, super. I, I guess obvious. I'm just uh, responding to the reaction against it, which seemed to miss it entirely. <laughs> I just think it was pure provocation for, for provocation's sake. But yeah, in, in that scene, he actually leaves a dismembered body part on the cop put of the cop car that's right. while the cop yeah. is busy frisking black people yeah that's right um yeah i do like that movie i think there's i mean um i also find enough of it like upsetting which it's supposed to be that like yeah. it, uh it uh uh makes me hesitate to before watching it again oh um, for sure sam yeah uh all right let's get back to flower movies sure. um so, okay, this is kind of a, a, a going off of what you were you were talking about, like, uh, well, we were talking about American Beauty, like flower imagery, so like, sort of, somewhat digitally enhanced flower imagery. Um, I'm reminded, and I like the details wrong because it's been a long time. Uh, but in in Big Fish, Tim Burton's Big Fish, uh, so it's you and McGregor plays the young Albert Finney, right? In the flashbacks. Yeah. And so he's telling the story. So the, the, you've seen big fish, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been a okay. while, but yeah. yeah, it's also been a while for me. My, my understanding that, that, that Albert Finney in the present day talking to his son, Billy Crudup tells these stories. And then we see them as he remembers them sort of like exaggerated yeah. and stuff like that. So I think he tells a story of like wooing his wife to be by like planting her favorite flower outside of her window. But in the telling it's literally you McGregor standing in like a field of daffodils right. that goes all the way to her, to, to the horizon. Um, so I remember the image more than I remember the details, but I think it's, it's something like that. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I was trying to think of other ones kind of along. Well, actually kind of related in terms of like 
exaggerated flower imagery. Um, the Wizard of Oz, the yeah, the poppies, poppies, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great kind of explosion of flowers. Um, a little less fantastical, but um, one of my favorite movies of the past few years, uh, the Rodarte Sisters Woodshock, um, uses a lot of kind of like superimposed flower imagery that isn't like directly tied to anything going on in the movie, but is really, really cool. Uh, yeah, you've talked about that movie a lot. I should, I should probably see it. Um, I don't know whether or not you would like it, but I'd be curious to find out. Uh, another movie I haven't seen for a very long time is Vertigo, but I know that there's like, is it, does he see Kim Novak in a florist flower shop at the beginning? Yeah. So like one of the earlier scenes where he's following her around, he follows her into a flower shop and there's a very kind of iconic image of his vantage point, looking through a doorway and her just surrounded by all these flowers. That's the image I'm thinking of. Yeah. I I was trying to like, I got, I kind of got there with the, uh, the details of the, of the scene, which I couldn't quite remember. Um, well, there's another, like I, um, I did some online research, uh, you know, to jog my memory on, on some of these. And one that came up multiple times that I don't even really remember this scene is Boz Lerman's The Great Gatsby. Um, but that seemed like uh, if you take those two shots next to each other, the color of the flowers and everything, totally. it seems like Boz Lerman is maybe like intentionally uh, referencing uh, Vertigo. But I don't even, I barely remember Boz Lerman's The Great Gatsby. There are things I remember liking about it, but. For the most part, I don't remember it. Yeah, same. I'm just trying to remember if that comes from the novel, and I think it does. Um, yeah, it's been even longer since I read the novel. So, I know, um, same. I, I read it before, because I'd read it in high school and loved it, and then I read it while the Bosnian was in production to kind of mm. jog my memory on it. But that was obviously quite over 10 years ago at this point. Um, yeah, um, I think there's like just a general sense that he's and that Gatsby's trying to impress Daisy um, with, you know, uh, well, it looks like in the movie they use white orchids, but I feel like there were daisies in the novel itself, but now I'm just making things up. I can't remember. Um, you just reminded me, I completely forgot that uh, this detail of later season gossip girl where Blake Lively's <laughs> character, um, Selena, right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Gets an internship uh, working for David O. Russell because he is, producing a great Gatsby remake. This would have been, I guess, before Boz Lerman's, right? What year? Cause God, Gospel Girl started in what? Oh, six. God, I don't know. So this would have been like probably 2009, 2010. Um, and David Russell showed up as himself. Uh, anyway, but that reminds me that, uh, there was, that's right. I, I looked this up just to confirm there was an entourage plot, where uh, Vinny Chase was going to be starring in The Great Gatsby, directed by Martin Scorsese. Wow. <laughs> I think the last episode I watched was the first episode of that season. And they like had Scorsese came out for a quick cameo or whatever. Um, so, yeah, something was in the air in the, the late aughts. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That, that's why Bob Zerman right. had to make it. He's like, clearly somebody's going to do it. Um, okay, it was the season finale of whatever season ended in spring of 2011 is when uh, wow when when he was on that i did i I stuck with gossip girl all the way through the end oh i thought you were um no no i was sorry i was still on on gossip girl yeah sorry i was trying the entourage episode looks like it was 2009 which that does track with when i stopped uh watching it yeah um all right let's get back to our, our our list but these diversions are are fun Hey, um, what else do we do around here? Um, yeah. So one trope that I kind of had in the back of my head, but had trouble finding specific examples of, and I'm curious if you found any was like, I feel like there's a lot of movies where they extract some rare poison out of a flower and use that for like a weapon. Doesn't that sound like a thing that happens in like every movie, but I couldn't think of any yeah, examples, but I can't think of any, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, listeners, please tell us what we're forgetting. I tried to like do keyword searches for this kind of thing. I, I could come up with nothing. Yeah. Um, the closest I got is there's that part in minority report where he goes to visit. Um, ah, hell who's the legendary actress who was later in that movie with the John Hamm hologram. 
Um, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Marjorie Lois Prime Smith? is the movie you're thinking of. Yeah, Lois Smith. Yeah. Yeah. He goes to visit yeah. Lois Smith and she like has like, she's like maintaining a garden, but she just, I don't think she's maintaining a garden of like precog crime stuff. I think she just like yeah. has a weird ass garden. Um, but I, I know there's like a billion movies that have used that kind of idea of like, this is the most beautiful flower in the world, but if you touch it, it will kill you kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't come up with that. Um, well, here's another trope that I can only think of one example of Okay. for some reason, but I'm sure there's many, but something you like a gun hidden in a bouquet of oh of good call i, I just so, rewatched terminator 2 i should have thought of that that's the one i could think of was terminator 2 is that's a that's that's is that schwarzenegger's entrance into into the yeah movie? yeah it's very cool pulling very the, cool shotgun sawed off shotgun maybe out of a uh huge bouquet of roses but i feel like there's got to be a lot of other movies that have used uh a, a gun or so or a knife or something hidden in a in a in a bouquet of roses i feel like they might or do it in the godfather but right. it's been a, a right. long time since i've seen the godfather all yeah. the way through um well the sopranos that's not i know it's not a movie and a tv show but uh um tony hides a gun in the mouth of a huge fish that's right <laughs> <laughs> it's at the end of the i think it's in the season one finale it's, it's near the end of season one um he kills uh chucky mangione i think is the character's name um uh, and then of course there's my favorite flower scene in the Sopranos is in season two when, uh, uh, pussy's all like in his head because he's, you know, ratting to the FBI yeah. and, 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 uh, Angie, his wife is going through, is like had a biopsy cause she like, they found a lump and he like, doesn't, isn't paying attention. She like, he's like, where's my belt? And she's like, I got my results back. I don't have cancer. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, don't make dinner for me. I'll be out late. And then, so when he like finally comes to his senses, he comes back and brings her uh, a bouquet of roses where, uh, and she uh, grabs them from him and smashes them across his face a bunch of times and cuts open his cheek with the, with the thorns. Oh my. Uh, yeah. And she bumped is like, uh, on, on the right day. She's my favorite Sopranos, like minor character. I, I should take the time to rewatch that show. I started to rewatch it. Julie had never seen it. So we watched the first like four episodes and she couldn't really get into it. But in the back of my head, it's like still something I want to kind of get back through. Cause I only saw it through the one time. I know you've yeah, seen it like eight times or something like that. Probably, uh, probably four or five times yeah. all the way through. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Uh, and then to like try and watch new TV shows so many of them are so bad yeah like even the good ones like the prestige ones are are so bad now yeah just um, isn't like when we were younger right yeah i'm trying to think what's the last like celebrated prestige tv show that i actually really liked i mean i liked better call saul but not i didn't love it right game of thrones fell so far far apart i don't remember I don't know. I liked Pachinko. That was a mini series. I mean, I guess Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know we were both yeah. really into that. I mean, like we we're so alone and being really into Twin Peaks the Return. Everybody freaking loved that movie. Yeah. Movie. I actually uh, found you the did it. Crap. Yeah. Damn it. Um Okay, what else? Uh okay, here's an, another one that came up that I had forgotten this scene because I haven't watched this movie in a long time for for good reason. Um, I had forgotten the scene until I, I, I Googled it and it came up. Uh, last Tango in Paris, when uh, Brando Brando uh, is standing over his late, because his wife has just died at the beginning of the movie, and he's standing over her. She's prepared for her like funeral, and she's in an open casket surrounded by like lilacs mm. or some kind of flower. And he has this whole speech um and he's just like monologue to, to her dead body and he's talking about how all done up she doesn't look like herself and he like literally like grabs the flowers and starts trying to use them to wipe the makeup off of her mm. her her face uh, i had forgotten about this scene because i i used to love that movie um and obviously it now has like some uh really uncomfortable baggage around it for me that it has kept me from revisiting it um but uh, yeah, still good scene. Creepy scene. Guy wiping the makeup off his dead wife's face. With I know. Flowers. 
I have you, so you've seen it more than once because I know it at one point was one of your favorite movies. Yeah, I, yeah, I def- I'm pretty sure I've seen it more than once. Yeah, I, I only have. saw it one time at the Egyptian, and yeah, I was completely overwhelmed by it and pulled over. But then, like, pretty soon after, <laughs> like, all the <laughs> stories about it came out, and I was like, ah, shoot, and yeah, same thing. I haven't felt the desire to revisit it, but um, man, man, they ruin everything. They sure um, do. Yeah, we sure do. Um, one trope that I thought of at least two, arguably three examples of is like the flower shop owned by the nefarious older person who's like using it as kind of like a front. So the more nefarious end of that is, um, in the town. Did you see the Ben Affleck town? No, Um, this came up when I was Googling it. I'd never saw the movie. Yeah. Pete Postlethwaite is like, I think like the head mobster guy. And he owns a flower shop and there's like, it's a great juxtaposition between him and things like this, like a super dangerous guy. But like every time you see him, he's just like clipping flowers away. Um, and similarly. Well, and Hall- yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you're sounding like you're jumping off of the town. Uh, well, just that trope in, in general, it doesn't have to necessarily be flowers, but just like uh, um, on the wire, there's like uh, uh, prop Joe who like is one of the main, like, drug kingpins in Baltimore, but he also runs like an appliance repair place okay. that like actually works. And so he'll be like, <laughs> like someone will come in to do a drug deal with like with him, but be like, also like, can you fix this toaster? <laughs> um, and then uh, on the get back to TV on, on breaking bad, Robert Forster's character, uh, who's like the guy who right. specializes in being able to disappear people and give them new identities and stuff. Um, also owns a, uh, vacuum store and vacuum repair shop. Um, and one of the, I would say this scene, you don't need to watch El Camino, but there's a scene in El Camino that is almost worth watching it for okay. because, we only knew him as like the, the vacuum guy when he was on breaking bad, Robert Forster, but in El Camino, you actually see a scene. Vince Gill wrote this scene between Robert Forster and Marla Gibbs. That is just has nothing to do with the movie or the plot. It's just an extended scene between a woman trying to figure out how much it's going to cost her to get her vacuum fixed. Robert Forster <laughs> saying, I could do this at this point though. It might be better for you to just buy a new one. If you're going to keep fixing this, it's just a whole scene about like that takes place in the vacuum repair shop. That's awesome. Uh, and it's the best part of the movie. Very damning of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The other two examples on specifically the flower thing was like hot fuzz. Um, the flower shop isn't like the point of it, but it's one of the kind of guises that one of the townspeople is using yeah, to cover up true. the nefarious doings. And then one, I think the only, the oldest movie I have on my list is uh, brother orchid from 1940 something. It's a Edward G Robinson movie where he plays a mobster who starts hiding out with a bunch of monks who sell flowers um, to like keep the monastery going. And of course, you know, he turns his life around and ends up like joining the monastery himself, or at least supporting them in some way. But he ends up finding like in the course of that transition, that flowers are a good cover for various mobster dealings as well. Mm. Um, so that's a pretty fun little movie. That's one of the cool. mini movies. Where oh. Edgar G. Robinson, or Edward G. Robinson is like purposely trying to throw off the like little Caesar persona and yeah. it's like kind of half working. And you're like, well, good for you. Um, Speaking of older movies, what about It's a Wonderful Life and Zuzu's Petals, right? He's, he, uh, his daughter is Zuzu. Right. And she yes. gives him flower petals. And uh, when he is dead, when was it Clarence or whatever is yeah. showing him the world, the pe- petals are no longer in his pocket because Zuzu doesn't exist anymore. But at the very end, when he comes back on the bridge, right before he does the like, Merry Christmas, you yeah. know, building alone, he like, his, the first like big thing um uh is that he reaches into his pocket and pulls out zuzu's petals which uh is usually when i watch the movie when i start tearing up and then it just uh, doesn't stop from there doesn't stop from there until the end of the movie yeah uh there also used to be a, re- a, a restaurant in um st louis called zuzu's petals i wonder if oh. it's still there um well speaking of flower shops uh that is where the brothers in a night at the roxbury are trapped working in their day shifts because their father owns uh, a flower shop. I don't know if you ever saw a night at the Roxbury, Um, but for people my age who were specifically teenagers when it came out, uh, very, very fun 
very engaging movie um, that I'm not sure would hold up of all the SNL movies I saw back then. I'm kind of the least certain of it, but um, when you're 14, 15, yeah, that's, that's living, man. Um, looks like Zuzu's Petals uh, in, in Kirkwood, Missouri, just outside St. Louis, is, uh, is gone. Ah, well. it, clo- it closed. Uh, but apparently, when it, when it opened in 2001, there's a lot of press, a lot of, uh, a lot of write-ups about Zuzu's Petals. 2001 all right uh let's see what else i got on also the flower selling end of things both uh never sure how to pronounce pygmalion pygmalion and um city lights involve um women peddling flowers on the street the love interest of the movies start out or in city lights case conclude as selling flowers on the street um, which is not really, I guess you kind of see that anymore. It's just trying to sell them at like stop lights at traffic lights. Yeah. Have you ever bought flowers at a stop light or traffic? I have not. Have you? I, yeah. Once. Were you very desperate and very, uh, ashamed of your actions that day? Yeah. That's probably what it was. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. And I was apologizing for something. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you're remembering, you're, you're reminding me, um, Oliver, the musical has a whole, uh, musical number called who will buy that is, uh, it starts off as, uh, who will buy, uh, this rose. What is, I, I can't remember the, uh, um, the exact lyric, but, oh, who will buy my sweet red roses Two blooms for a penny. Uh, but then it goes on. You meant you meet like other sellers. Will you buy any milk today? Ripe strawberries ripe anyway. So it's like, um, I think I want to say it's like the first scene after the intermission in okay, or at least on the stage version. I right. Can't if, I can't remember if the movie version has an intermission. Probably does, right? Uh, uh, back what is then, that, like sixty-eight. Yeah, I would think so. It's two and yeah. a half hours long. Um, I've not uh, seen that movie. Um, I don't remember if the movie actually is that good, but I've seen, sure. I've seen stage productions or at least one when I was like a teenager that, that stuck with me. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's just like a get to know the neighborhood type of like uh, totally. reintroduction where it starts with like a little kid selling roses and then you meet all the different vendors and becomes a bigger song. But yeah, uh, I had forgotten about that until you mentioned, yeah. Vendors and peddlers. The musical number by way of getting to know town reminded me of Beauty and the beast, which is also of course a big flower movie. Yeah. Um, big flower movie. Yeah because the whole thing like what's the deal with it is the west end it represents his wife or something like that beast's wife well like i think once once all the petals fall off the flower he the curse will never, is like permanent yeah he'll never so he has to fall in love he has to get someone to love him right before all the petals fall off I've never seen, so I've seen the Disney one, of course. I've seen the Cocteau one. There's a Czech one from the 70s that's supposed to be very interesting, but I don't think I've ever seen any versions besides those two of Beauty and the Beast. Um, I've seen those two and the uh, live action, the one with Hermione. Oh, right. I did see the Hermione one. Yeah. Ah, that was Um, unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I went to, uh, it was a, like, for your consideration screening that I went to of that. And for some reason, I don't know if this was intentional or if just like they got the wrong DCP, but it was the sing-along version. So all the songs had like a little <laughs> bouncing, like teacup or Lumiere or whatever yeah. like on the, on the bottom of the entire movie. But it was like, it was like a mid afternoon in Beverly Hills. Like it was all older people. Like people yeah. were not singing along. It just was the sing-along version. That's a little sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried to like Google, like if there's anything, um, uh, with your like movies with poison flowers in it. Uh, unfortunately there's a 2015 documentary called poison flower. That's kind of like, uh, ruining the Google search. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, you mentioned orchids. Um, Natalie also reminded me of adaptation for sure. Uh, and the, the orchid thief and, and all of that. Yeah, uh, um, that's another movie that I haven't seen forever, but was obsessed with when it came out. But that is kind of, it's not poisonous, but that is a movie where, like, doesn't Meryl Streep, like, get high off orchids? Yeah. 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 Which I don't think you can really do. I feel like, I feel like I would know about that. Yeah, would you? Are you that are you hip? I would, I would have been at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, 
I'm in my forties now. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the web suggests it is very unlikely you can, uh, get high off of orchids. Yeah. I figured as much. Uh, all right. I only have a couple more, um, on here, or maybe there's one more that we haven't mentioned. Oh yeah. Uh, broken flowers. Yep. Um, that's on my list. Yeah. It has flowers in the title, but also he does take flowers. He, goes, from... he brings flowers to, I think all five of the women he visits. Is that right? That's how I recall it. Yeah, um, okay. it. It does seem like the kind of trope where there's probably one where he doesn't for whatever reason. Right. Like he gets interrupted on the way or she ends up running into her sooner than he expects. But um, that's the design of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That also might be my favorite Jim Jarmusch movie. Ooh. Uh, I think I'm a, I'm still a dead man, man. Yeah. I mean, I love dead man. I did. The last time I watched it didn't quite hit as hard as it used to. And so I've kind of got that like cycle thing. Whereas, and, and now I'm sure the next time I watch it, like, but, but this is great. Um, yeah. I'm just in a downturn cycle on that, but, but broken flowers, each time I've watched it, it's never, never disappointed me. I, I think I only saw it once. Um, oh man, I've seen it many but, times. Yeah. I should watch it again. Cause that was what year is broken flowers. Oh, 2005. 2005. So what's, is there something in between that and limits of control? Um, that's a great question. Let's find out. I can't remember. I feel like there probably was, but because I know Limits of Control was 2009. Nope, what, what, that was the next movie. And yeah. Before your break. Um, did you like Limits of Control? So I didn't at the time. And then 10 years passed or so. And I was like, I think I like the Limits of Control now. And so, sure enough, I watched it. I loved it. Yeah, I think I, I remember... Um, liking it more than most people did it at the time but i um my my major problem with it is that um with maybe one exception of like john hurt being kind of wacky uh the movie's not very funny whereas jim jarmusch movies tend to have a lot of comedy in them yeah um, i mean there's some kind of like very dry comedy in it um but in part of it, I think part of my growing affection for it is just like passage of time stuff where like, I mean, it's beautifully shot. It's Christopher Doyle. So it looks like a million dollars, even though they probably spent like half a million on it. Yeah. Um, but now it just like having some removed from that model of production. I think now it, I have a little bit more fondness for just seeing a movie like that again. Mm -hmm. um, and one that like has a very rigid formal design because he keeps going uh, to these various people and having exactly the same conversation over and over again. But um, the shot patterns of it keep changing and it has these weird interstitial things that are completely like erratic and kind of like chopped up and weird and the kind of thing that you would only do if you're shooting on film. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot going for that movie and it's never going to be like one of my favorite Jarmusch movies, but there's a lot that makes it very cool. And I think it's actually the kind of movie that benefits from fitting into a filmography than being a new release where like when it's a new release, you're like, we haven't had a Jim Jarmusch movie in four years. It's got to like really hit a home run. This has to be the new great Jim Jarmusch movie. And you're like, okay, it, it's all right. Whereas yeah. now it's like in the space of his vast, you know, like 15 film filmography. And you're like, that's a cool little movie. I'm glad he made that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> not that this isn't the Patreon and we aren't playing our fun game, but uh, if anyone wants to uh, hear more, hear us play our, our, our fun game on the Patreon, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash battleship pretension. But the fun game is where we uh, uh, call out movies at random and, and try to remember uh, uh, interesting details about the first time we saw them or yeah. the circumstances surrounding. Uh, Moments of Control was actually an, a very early battleship pretension listener worked at the arc light yeah. it was um, which I, I used to work with the arc light so i know like you could like get people in uh, yeah. certain times like not on weekends um i i think there were there were certain times you couldn't but he was like hey i've you know do you want to come see the limits of control for free with me this like wednesday or whatever like emailed me and i was like yeah obviously uh, and and uh and, and uh, yeah so that's when i i saw it at the arc light with a listener I wonder if he still listens. Um, I can't remember his name. Let me know if you still listen, Arclight guy. Right in. Davey yeah. at battleshipretention.com. Wait, no, it's David not. at battleshipretention.com. Battleship I made the mistake that you usually make. Yeah, yeah. 
right. I've only got one more on my list, and that's uh, Ari Aster's Midsummer, which of course yeah, has yep. that's a mine. A lot of a lot of flowers. Yeah. Um, I was trying to remember because I haven't seen it since it came out. In the Constant Gardener, do we see what he gardens? I don't remember because I also haven't seen it yeah, since then. Nobody would know. Um, the hours at least opens with like the Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself, kind of like mirroring thing where I think Meryl Streep is going to buy the flowers herself. Um, that's another movie that I am very eager to revisit because I haven't seen it since it came out and I have no idea whether or not I like it or not. Yeah. Um, it seems like it seems interesting at the very least. And like, as a huge fan of all the actresses in it, I'm like, eh, probably at least like it. Um, some fifties movie with Brigitte Bardot called plucking the Daisy, which beyond oh. the title of it does have a sequence where I don't think she like strips strips, but she is like either at overtly playing a stripper or like a fifties erotic dancer where like, she kind of like dances in the nightclub scantily clad. Um, and, is wearing essentially clothes made of flowers and not very many of them. So memorable sequence at the very least. Oh. Um, and oh yeah. Great movie to conclude with um, imitation. Well, I, I, uh, okay. Yeah. Cause I thought of one. Okay. Well, um, I'll go with mine and then you go with yours. Okay. Uh, Imitation of Life, uh, which is maybe the best Douglas Sirk movie, which is saying something, but um, without giving too much away, there's a very um, ornate and ostentatious funeral sequence where um, a girl who's had this strange relationship with their mother, um, the mother has died and she has nowhere to put all her feeling and pours it all out into this big bouquet of flowers. And it is uh, unbelievably moving. Um, I've not seen Imitation of Life, so I should oh, see Oh man, that. you should. Um, so I'm going to go with, uh, I, I forgot about um, 1998's What Dreams May Come. Okay. Which, um, I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Um, it's a, um, did you see it? No, I have not. I was just trying to remind myself what it even is. And so, um, Robin Williams goes into the afterlife to rescue his wife, Annabella Sciorra. Um, I mean, that's the actress. She's not playing herself. Um, uh, and the movie's main draw is that it's like a, just a visual effects extravaganza in the afterlife. And there's a part where, cause I think this is going back to, I mean, this is literally 25 years. I saw it in the theater and that's the only time I've seen it, but I think Annabelle Scooter's character was like a painter. Okay. And so the flowers that she painted, like show up like in heaven. And there's a part where Robin Williams is like, goes into a field of flowers and then like realizes that they're actually like made of paint. Um, and so he's got paint all over him. I'm trying to, uh, find the, the image here that I found earlier, but I can't find it. Um, anyway, I'm looking up some uh, screen caps. It looks, uh, quite beautiful. Yeah, see if you can find the one. Where's, I just had it up, and then I lost it. Where he's standing there, like in his like raincoat, and he's like in the middle of flowers, but he also has paint all over him. I think I found it. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, is this a good movie? This looks like a great movie. Uh, I remember just thinking it was beautiful. I mean, lo- looking at the um, the filmmaker, it's the only like thing he's made that I've ever heard of. Oh, interesting. Um, and he only made a couple movies after that. Um, his name is Vincent Ward. Uh, the last movie he is credited with directing is a documentary called Reign of the Children hmm. uh, in 2008. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I should, we should, uh, I should probably watch this again. I, I saw it in the theater and thought it was very beautiful, um, if a little corny. Oh, sure. Because, you know, Robin Williams, when, he's, when he was in a certain mode. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, he could be be pretty corny, but, uh, yeah. All right. So that was a weird, like half informed place to end on. (laughs) The thing that was throwing me here about looking up what dreams may come, um, is when you said Annabelle Skewer, I was like, Oh, it must be a huge, like age gap relationship. I mean, Robin Williams is older than her, but not like 
he's only like nine years older than her. It's just that he always has looked much older than he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, oh yeah, here's the, yeah. And now, now I just have to watch this again. Is this available anywhere? You can rent it online. Okay. Yeah. I got to watch. So I think I will. It's weirdly priced at three seventy nine, which I've never seen on an online <laughs> rental. Why? I don't know. You can, or you yeah. can buy it for fourteen sixty nine. Yeah. It makes no sense. It looks so, so I'm, I'm just watch right now. It looks like, so Redbox, Vudu, and Apple TV all have three ninety nine. It's only Amazon that has the three seventy nine. <laughs> and Google Play, I'm seeing. Oh, okay. See, I trust in. I generally trust in. Uh, just watch, but Google. Oh no, you know what? I had it on SD. That's why. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, on Google Play, it's uh, marked as a discount. It has the three ninety nine crossed out. <laughs> this week only three seventy nine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this was a, 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 a fun kind of like shambolic episode. Uh, Perfect. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's wrap it up there. You can find us at battleshipretention.com. Um, you could probably find reviews of something we mentioned today at battleshipretention.com. I don't know. Uh, you can email I reviewed me. Woodshock. I had can... one of my favorite review headlines for Woodshock, which was Dunst On Checks Out. <laughs> i thought of that midway through watching woodchuck and i was like now we're cooking i love that did you, you you're not a note taker i think nope. right uh, i so just locked it in that. see if i yeah. think of oh. a good one i have to write it write it in my notes well fortunately um, there's a very little plot in woodchuck so i could just like keep turning through that in my head and keep back being uh bemused by my own genius <laughs> all right um Email me at david at battleshipretension.com. Um, follow me on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter uh, at More Lessons is where he's been tweeting uh, lately. Um, and uh, Scott, where, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, Rail of Tomorrow, and on Letterboxd. All right. Oh, yeah. My Letterboxd is David Bax, and my um, other podcast I do with my wife is called The One Where I Met Your Mother. So check that out. Uh, until then, thank you for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye.